book of Exodus, chapter 17, and we're going to start on verse 1. So, so look at verse 1, you'll see that it says, Then all the congregation of the children of Israel set out on their journey from the wilderness of sin, according to the commandment of the Lord, and camped in Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore, the people contended with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. So Moses said to them, Why do you contend with me? Why do you tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for water, and the people complained against Moses and said, Why is it you have brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, saying, What should I do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Go on before the people and take with you some of the elders of Israel. Also take in your hand your rod with you struck the river and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock in Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water will come out of it, and the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. So he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah because of the contention of the children of Israel, and because they tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim, and Moses said to Joshua, Choose us some men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was, when Moses held up his hand, that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy. So they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this for a memorial in the book and recount it, in the hearing of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called his name, The Lord is my banner. For he said, Because the Lord has sworn, the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you, Lord, that we're able just to come together and just see what you have to say to the church. Bless your word. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon us. Continue to teach us. We praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Please be seated. You know, um, I was asking the Lord what to, uh, what he wanted to teach on this week, what he wanted me to teach on this week. And, and I, just, I just kept going and reminded uh, uh, of God and and how faithful he is, and, and how he goes before us, and how he just wants us to have victory, and 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 to, to basically how we should just trust him more and more in our lives every day. So, I'm going to read you this verse. It's from Matthew, chapter 28, verse 20, where it says, "Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age." And it's the end of the book of Matthew, and it's before he ascends to heaven. And this is such a, a wonderful and a, a, an encouraging verse to hear, especially when you see what's going on in the world today. All right, He says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. All right? So this is one of the things that, that the Lord really put on my heart 
this week especially, is that as Christians, do we are, are we aware that He is with us always? You know, there's all this turmoil is going on. I mean, this morning some more some more stuff happened, more things happened, and, and the church is, is what I'm seeing. Sometimes we could act no different than with the world. You know, we look for help. We look for the politicians. We look for things that the world, we complain and we worry just like the world does. But yet, we have our Lord Jesus Christ who goes before us. We have our Lord Jesus Christ who said he'll never leave us nor forsake us. And reading this passage, it just reminds me of how God, because when you read the Bible, Jesus is in the, is in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Jesus is all over this beautiful book. All right, so when we look at the Old Testament or the New Testament, it's about Jesus. It's always about Jesus. Genesis 1 1 all the way to the end of Revelation. It's always about Jesus. So on this account here, uh, I reminded here of Moses. Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. And, and during that time, if you remember, he's been providing, he's been protecting them, he's been guiding them from the Red Sea since he took them, actually, since he took them out of Egypt. All right, and he's been providing for them. And then the Lord, in, in the previous chapter, he provided bread, manna, right? And he provided before water. This is going to be the second time when we read this account. And he led them by the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. The best GPS you could ever have, right? That's the Lord leading you. You're going to hear that lady in the background saying, oh, turn around. No, this is God. He's, he's, just follow me, all right? Just follow me, all right? So, Awesome. I mean, that's awesome. God is guiding the people of Israel. But what's the first, what do they do right away? Not even a month after they come out, they complain. Right? They complain. Matter of fact, in, in uh, Deuteronomy 8, uh, 16, it says, Who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers did not know, that he, may, that he might humble you and that he might test you to do the good and in the end? So the Lord, right away, when you read this account of Exodus and throughout the Bible, he loves us so much. He doesn't want to leave me like this, right? So he's going to te- constantly test us, test our faith, encourage us so that we can grow in his faith. You know, and stuff that goes around in our private life and in the world out there, God is testing us and showing us how much do you really trust me? How much do you believe what I'm telling you is to be true? And, you know, I confess myself, there's times in, in, in my walk where I lose that sight. But you know what? God has always been faithful. He's always been faithful. So there I said, come to my life. Even before that, when I was, when I was uh, uh, B.C. days, right, before Christ, when I was doing the things that weren't pleasing before the Lord, he's always loved me. And so there's times in our Christian walk that we should be separated. We should be different. We, should be no, we shouldn't be the same as the world. You know, uh, like I was saying earlier, you know, we see these, uh, what's going on in the world, and, and we need to be that light. And so the Lord led me to this passage because, you know, the, here's the Lord was totally directing them during this difficult time, this trying time, and, and, and like now. I mean, to them, it must have been re- really out of their comfort zone, right? They were in Egypt, and they thought it was great, but they forgot how lost they really were. And now they got God. I mean, they just saw the Red Sea part. I mean, they're, they're moving. And they got, like I said, the pillar and the fire leading them. I want to read this to you in 1 Peter before we start. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 69. And the Lord put this on my heart last night. 
And there in 1 Peter chapter 1, he says, In this you greatly rejoice, though for now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness, the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, you believe, you, yet believing, you rejoice with a joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your soul. So he's telling us, and first Peter is telling us that, that he's just testing us for a little while. He's refining us. For why? For, that we may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You and I know that are Christians. You and I that know that we read the Bible. The Lord is coming soon. Man, you could just see that all over. You could just, I mean, we don't know when he's coming. We don't know when he's going to take the church. We don't know. You know, we don't know when it's going to rain, but we can see the clouds coming. Well, actually, right now it's hot, huh? We know the sun's coming up, so you know it's going to be hot. It's going to be hot today, right? Right? So let me reverse that. But the same thing. He's coming. And how do you want to, how do you want to be, how do you want to be serving him when he shows up? All right? We want to be able to be faithful. We want to be able just to be trusting in what he's doing in my life, in your life today, that he has a purpose in our, in our lives. Right? So here, Israel, Israel has failed in trusting the Lord and again will be tested. And again, again, like, a, like we always say, it's nothing new. It, we're in California. We need our cars. If you fail, if you flunk your DMV test, guess where you're going the next day? You're, you're going right back to DMV and take, we take that test, right? Same thing with God. God, if we flunk a test, he's not going to leave us in that state. He's going to give us that test again until we pass that test because he loves us that much, right? But times when we can think about it more as, Lord, what are you doing? Oh, man, I, I can't handle this no more. But you know what? I know I can't, but I know I can. I have Lord Jesus Christ. He's my rock. So this is what it, uh, he's teaching us here. This is what he's going to teach us today. That in the presence of the Lord here, the, that Moses totally gets his strength and his confidence. He needs to lead the people. We, as Christians, should be leading. We should be the light. And, and many times, uh, we, I talked about this in the past with men, Men, we are leaders, spiritual leaders of our home. When we're at work, people are looking at us, especially if you claim to be a Christian, and I hope you do. Because when you claim to be a Christian, people are going to be watching us and how we react, how we do things. Are we on time? You know, are we going to take things from the, borrow things from the work, right? No, he's going to test us. And this is what he's going to be doing. Here's what he's teaching us. So here the Lord will totally reveal himself to God and his people. And the leaders and prove worthy of our praise. Just like a little while ago, we're just praising God. He's worthy of our praises. So as we go through this uh, account, there's going to be a couple of observations. I'd like to show how, uh, how Moses and how you and I can be able to pass these tests. How you and I can be able to show honor to the Lord through our, our Christian life. So if you notice with me on, on verse 1. On verse 1, if you look there, it says, here's where God directs their paths. It says, then all the congregation of the children of Israel set out on their journey from the wilderness of sin according to the commandment of the Lord and camped in Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So here if you look at Israel, Israel is doing exactly what the Lord commanded them to do by setting out on their journey, right? And, and church, it's, it's possible, even more in God's will, that we're going to be in trials, Right? 
We might not think that. Is that mine? Am I not in God's will? But when we are in God's will, there's going to be trials. So the, one of the things that we need to know is we need to be faithful, continue to go on that journey that the Lord is trying to uh, lead us to. They're trying to be able to mold us and shape us into the image of Jesus Christ. So if you notice there, it says, set out to the journey from the wilderness of sin. And, and just a side note, they're not coming from a place where it's full of sin. Some people believe that that's Sinai. It's, it's just written differently. It's a desert. It says, according to the commandment of the Lord, right? And it says there that they camped in Rephidim. Hopefully I'm saying that correctly. And this is a side note. That word Rephidim, it means to rest. It means to stay. It means a resting place. So God has taken them, and the first place to go to is a resting place. And yet, what's the first thing they do? They don't rest. They're already worried about water, right? They're already totally just freaking out. I mean... I'm sure they have all their cattle. No, get me wrong, it's a legitimate concern. But they've only been out there for like 30 days. And they're already worried and they saw what God has done, right? So there is a legitimate concern. There's no water, this is verse 1. See, but the Lord here is teaching them to trust and rest and to trust and rest in Him. And He's going to provide. Psalms 37 5 says, Commit your ways to the Lord, trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. All right? We need to totally trust God when we're going through our trials. We need to totally trust God. It's not punishment. It's not punishment. Sometimes we can look at it as punishment. But he's, he has us, and he wants to show us something. Look at verse 2. Notice. He says in verse 2, Therefore the people contended with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. And Moses said to them, Why do you contend with me? Why do you tempt the Lord? Verse 3, and the people thirsted there for water, and the people complained against Moses and said, Why is it you have brought us up out of Egypt to kill us, to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So here right away, the people complained, the people complained against Moses, but Moses recognizes that the complaint is against God. Have you ever thought about that? Here's they're talking to Moses, and he tells them in verse 2, Why do you tempt the Lord? Why do you murmur against the Lord? Why are, you, why, are you, why are you blaming God? And this is very convicting, to be honest with you. I mean, many times in our, in our things where it's not going all right, if you totally trust in God, if you totally believe in God, then you believe God has you where he has you. If not, you're telling God, what are you doing? I don't like this. This is not the place that, are you sure, God? Right? And they are totally just uh, uh, complaining, not on Moses. Many times we could look at our circumstances and we could think that it's, uh, we take it out on other people, but realistically when we are uh reacting this way and through our times or testing and we're complaining and murmuring we're complaining about god in in second corinthians chapter 3 verse 2 the apostle paul says this he's talking to the the corinthians he's saying you are our our epistle written in our hearts known and read by all men there's there's times that we're going to be the only bible walking bible that's that non-believers or people that are going to are going to see Right, people, people are gonna if they especially if they want to know they're interested about Christ, they're gonna look at my life and your life and just see how we act. And if we're out there complaining and crying and, and doing those things that they're doing, biting into the same doubt and complaining, we are no different. We are. They're gonna read us. They're gonna see God. They want to see why am I a Christian? Why am I trusting God? That's what they're gonna be saying, right? We need not to add to the problem, but we need to look to the Lord. We need to look to the Lord, right? 
Remember, we are ambassadors of Christ. Our, our, our families are looking at us. Our, our, work people, our people at work are looking at us. And we represent the Lord. Look at verse 4. So Moses cried out to the Lord, saying, What should I do with the people? They're all almost ready to stone me. So one of the first things I notice, one of the first things we notice here is and during our testing, our way to, to be able to uh, honor the Lord is, Seek the Lord in prayer. Look at, look at here, Moses. Moses cried out. It's the first thing he did. He didn't react. He didn't yell back at these people that are complaining. The first thing he did is he, he looked up. Matthew 7, chapter 7, verse 7 through 8 says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Moses did what any good leader would do, and that's what he did. He called the Lord for help. He didn't get involved. He didn't start complaining, start murmuring. He just, he went up. He looked to God. So, right, even though the people were unfair and they wanted to, they wanted to kill him. This is the second time. It happened in the other chapter. This is the second time. But yet he's a leader. He's representing God. And under pressure, what he did is he just prayed, prayed to the Lord for strength. And you read that to the Bible. You read that all the time to the Bible. David, he looked, he looked up to the Lord for strength. You know, I, I think about it, you know, um, our Lord Jesus. He always went to uh, uh, by himself, isolate himself to talk to the Father. And this is what we should do. The first thing we should do, number one thing, is we should seek the Lord in prayer. Especially when you know you're being tested. Especially when you know things around you are just starting to cave in a little bit. We need to seek the Lord for strength. Because these are the only strength we have. Look at verse 5. And the Lord said to Moses, Go on before the people. And take with you some of the elders of Israel. Also take in your hand the rod with, your, with you struck the river and go. Look how, how God answers prayers. God answered prayers by directing him to, the, to go to the people. The same people that wanted to stone him, right? He said, go to the people with some elders and take the rod in your hand. See, by, by taking this rod, it's giving God's confidence. By taking this rod, God is totally just reminding him of the power of God. I mean... I mean, if I'm Moses, right? If I'm Moses, and, and I am, and I'm seeing all this, this, these things going on in my life where it just doesn't look right, and God is telling me, get that rod. And if I, minute I pick up that rod, I'm going to remember, man, this is the same rod that part the sea. This is the same rod that, you know, that God spoke. This is the same rod that was able just to defeat the snakes of the Egyptian snakes. This is the same rod. This is the power of God. God gave this to me. God gave this to me to be able to, and it's a good reminder and it's good confidence, not in the, what I could do, but in God. And the same thing we have now with Jesus Christ. You know, we have Jesus Christ living in us that are Christians in our hearts, right? And he's really, he wants us to give us this power to live a Christian life and a successful, victorious Christian life. And I, so when I read that and I think about, man, take, he says in your hand, in your, hand your rod. That's your rod. Right? You could easily pass by in that verse 5. He's saying, that's your rod. Right? That's an awesome, that's an awesome, to me it's awesome comforting. Right? So the Lord wanted him to use this rod, but not to, to, to discipline them or anything like that, because he's going to provide water for them. God knows they need water. God knows they're, he's not, he's not saying anything bad about their complaints. He's, hey, let's get that, let's get that rod and, and let's, let's bless the people. Because look at verse six. In verse six, he says, he says, behold, which means to observe, to look. Right? I will stand before you there on the rock in Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, 
and water, water will come out of it that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. See, so the Lord again, just again and again and again, shows his presence. This is awesome. He not only did he give him the rod, but now he's showing his presence. He's saying there, he's standing there before on the rock. And Moses and Israel, he's reminding them, hey, I've always with you. I'm always been with you. I'm always going to be with you. Right? And so I can see the people are looking at this rod and they're seeing him and they're going to be reminded. Because look, if you see there, Moses here, he obeys them. That's the key also. We need to obey what God is telling us to do. And he strikes the rock in the sight of the people, and the water just starts gushing out from the rock. And there it meets the needs of the people and their livestock. In Psalm 78, verse 15 through 16, it says, He spit the rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink in abundance like the depths. He also brought streams of the, on the, of the rock and caused water to run like rivers. He gives them their needs. I mean, he knows what they need. Their physical need is they need, they're thirsty and they need water. And then by striking this rock, all of a sudden this water comes out. What a gracious God we have, right? He meets our needs. There's times when you and I, where we, we tend to uh, start, we start crying to the Lord. We need to understand that he's a gracious God. He knows our physical needs. He knows the times where we have issues in our house or in our families and our work that we should always go to him. We should always know that there's nothing, we never bother him. We don't think we, oh, I'm always complaining to God. No, he loves us so much. Look at them. He, they're ready to kill his messenger. He said, okay, let's give him water. Let's give him some, some, some water. So it's, a, it's, it's an awesome miracle. Come on. Rocks coming from water, right? I mean, who knows? Maybe there's a stream behind it. I don't know. But it's, nevertheless, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. They're in a desert, and all of a sudden, they're seeing water come out, and it's awesome. But what's awesome about this rock also is that in the Apostle Paul, he wrote about this in, in Exodus, about this Exodus experience in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. This is what I love about the Bible, right? Because the Bible always interprets the Bible. If you want any, the best commentary is the Bible itself. Because if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and in verse 1 through 4, the Apostle Paul writes about this experience. And he says, Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea, that all were, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea, all ate from the same spiritual food, and all drank from the spiritual drink. For they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. This rock was Christ. All right? He's telling them, and Paul, hey, so when he, when he smiled, so what, is the, what does that mean? Well, the rock here is the type of Jesus Christ, right? And for, he's spitting for us on the cross, right? In Isaiah 53, verse 4, it says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet was esteemed, we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement for our peace was held upon him, and the stripes, and the stripes he was healed. This same rock is Christ Jesus. This same rock, right, that is the type of Christ. And then, if you know, if you you know, if you read your Bible, this explains why when Moses smite him again the second time in Numbers chapter twenty, uh, he was Moses was not uh, he was punished. He was not able to go into the promised land because Jesus was only smitten one time, only one time. So Jesus Christ is our rock. And he's telling them, he's, that's, the same, that's the same Christ in the rock. But the thing here, what I'd like to I show you here is that the water is a type of the Holy Spirit. 
whose coming was made possible by Christ's death and resurrection ascension to heaven. So the second thing I see is when I read this passage here is that we need to constantly be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is what he's telling us here. This rock, this water is the, the Holy Spirit. So if you turn to, if you hold your place and you look in John chapter 7. On John chapter 7, he explains this, what he's talking about here. On John chapter 7, and if you go down to verse 37, He says there, there's Jesus speaking. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if, any, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of the heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, who those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Here Jesus, on the seventh day at this particular feast in John, the feast that he's referring to the same experience on, in, at, the, at the Israel had in Exodus, right? And this water was a picture of the Spirit of God, right? You and I, you and I should not only be able to drink from this living water, but this living water gives us, blesses us, you know, we need to, I'm sorry, I messed this up. We need to be able to share this, thirst, this real thirst of the Spirit of God to those who are lost, those who are spiritually thirsty. We need to be able to share that we have the Spirit of God in us, right? Jesus, just as water satisfies thirst, here it produces fruitfulness, the Spirit of God, it satisfies the inner person. Jesus here in John chapter 7 is telling them what, this is a, I love this little part, this part of the Bible here because Jesus is there in the feast and he's telling the people here I am, I'm that rock. Your thirst, your thirst is going to go away. But you need the Spirit of God living in you. You need the Spirit of God to, to, to be able to, to live your Christian life. And this is the power of the Holy Spirit living in you and I. Right? So when we go through our trials, they didn't have the Spirit of God in them, but they had Moses representing them. Well, you and I have the Spirit of God living in us. You and I have been able to have that same power. It's more powerful than that rod. Right? That rod was just, a, 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 just represents God and His power. But you and I have the Holy Spirit to be able to live a victorious Christian life. So that's the second thing I see here is we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ died for you and I. Jesus, I, Jesus, Jesus Christ died so that you could approach him. So when the Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 came, he, the Holy Spirit came upon us. One of those things that we need to ask ourselves when we're walking our lives, are we, are we daily asking the Lord to have the Holy Spirit come upon us? If when we walk in that life and we ask the Lord to come into our lives, what a difference it makes. Now, now no longer am I walking in my own power, which is weak, but now I'm walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. Please turn back to Exodus chapter 17. So we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit daily. Going back to Exodus chapter 7, I mean, chapter 17, verse 7, it says there, finishing up that section, so he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah because of the contention of the children of Israel and because they tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us? Or not. After seeing all that, they're still, they're still, uh, God provides this great miracle, but they still have an unbelieving and rebellious heart. You know that when we complain against the Lord, it's a rebellious heart. It's a rebellious heart. So here he, 
He rebuked them and he had a spot to remind them. You know, um, when, like I was saying earlier, when we're tested every day, we need to ask ourselves, we shouldn't be, I mean, we shouldn't ask ourselves, is the Lord among us or not? Right? Uh, we should have a heart to God every day. We should know that God is, no matter what in my life, if things are, 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 are having some issues at our home, God is there to guide us and lead us. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to live a Christian life. We need the Holy Spirit to guide us and direct us. It's the only way that we're able to live this life, a victorious life. Verse 8. Here now, uh, in this section here, God, de- God defeats our enemies, right? So look at verse 8. Now Malak came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. Not only do we, do we experience trials involving the necessities of life, involving those things that we need to live, water and bread and our job and stuff like that, but he also faces, he also ba- uh, faces our battles with our enemies. He goes against our, our enemies. Now, who are the Amalekites? Then verse 8, if you look at it, it's a type of the flesh. They were the descendants of Jacob's brother Esau, who was a godless person. In Hebrews, it describes in chapter 12, verse 16, it says, uh, uh, that he was a profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food, he sold his birthright. If you know the story, there is, there's two brothers, and, and he was hungry. And the Bible, it says it must have been some good beans, right? Because he said there's beans. And I don't know how they bury it like that, but he's starving, right? And he, he was so hungry that he traded his birthright. He was the oldest brother, and the oldest gets uh, the, the two-thirds of the portion of the inheritance. And because he was hungry, all he cared about was the flesh. That his brother said, okay, I'll make you some food if, 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 if you give, give me your birthright, your inheritance. And he, and he gave it up. He gave up his inheritance. And, and this is what tells you about it. That's, what was Amalek, that's the, the relatives of the Amalekites, of Esau. Esau, he, he lived for the world. He lived for the flesh. He despised spiritual things. He opposed his brother Jacob, and he threatened to kill him. And, and Esau's descendants opposed the children of God. Right, and they always threaten to kill them, to, na- to, na- to annihilate them. Right, and this is who the Amalekites are. Right, and so when you look at verse eight, it says the Amalekites came and fought with Israel. This was an unprovoked attack against Israel. In De- Deuteronomy chapter twenty-five, verse seventeen and eighteen, it tells you, he tells you, remember the Amalekite did to you on the way as you were coming out of Egypt, how he met you on the way and attacked your rear ranks, all the stragglers and your rear. When you're tired and weary, and he did not fear God. Many times he attacks us. He attacks us when we are, are weak. He attacks, he attacks us from the rear. And he also, if you can see here, he also attacks us uh, uh, when we have an awesome experience. They just had this experience of the water coming from the rocks. I mean, most of you guys know, men's study, I mean, studies, yes, by church, come back to retreats, you come back to conferences, you get all excited, you're hearing awesome spiritual things, and you're being reminded of the promises, you're encouraged, and what happens when you go down that hill? Right? Right away, the enemy wants to try to come, and he tries to try to knock you down, and tries to make you forget, and try to help you forget that what you, what you know what to be truth. So the, that's the right of the flesh, right? So the enemy attacks the weakest, and he always comes after an awesome experience, spiritual experience, right? And this was the provision of the water of the rock. Notice in verse 9. Here in verse 9 it says, And Moses said to Joshua, Choose us some men and go fight 
fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the rod of, of God in my hand. So the third thing that we need to, uh, to do in order to have our walk is we need to trust in God's strength and not my, our strength. In Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10, he says, My brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. That's, that's one of my favorite verses, actually, because it's so true. He, we need to be strong in His might. Because he tells us there to put on the armor of God for battle. So he, he equips us. Matter of fact, let's look there on Ephesians chapter 6. Well, we're going to be, we're going to be switching around a little bit here. We're going to be looking at this Bible. Look at Ephesians chapter 6 because he, he's our strength. He's our battle. He fights for us. In chapter 6 in Ephesians, he tells us to put on the armor of God for battle. So when he's, so here he's obviously, he's preparing us. Look at verse 10, that verse I just read on chapter 6. He says, My brethren, be strong in the Lord and in his power of his might. He tells us here, look, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness and heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand, that's three times now, in the evil day, and having done all to stand again. See, so we are fighting against, not against flesh and blood, but we're fighting against a, a spiritual enemy. We're fighting against uh, the darkness, right? Most of the time when you hear people say, hey, I'm going through a spiritual attack. It's true, right? We, you know, it's not through our flesh, it's through the spirit, because we want to grow as Christians. Look at verse, and he tells us, right? He tells us what to do. Look at verse uh, uh, 14. Again, he says, stand therefore, again, having girded your waist with truth. Right, and what does he mean by that? A belt with all the equipment on there, and we we are to stand in our, in truthfulness, in righteousness. Right, we are to be balanced in our lives and, and, and have that waste of truth. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and we're talking about they had an armor and it covered it's covering our hearts. If you look at the at the pictures of the of the soldiers, they don't have a back. There's no retreat. Right, stand, look forward to the enemy. So you need we need to cover our hearts. Verse fifteen. And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And they have these shoes with the spikes on them, these boots. And, and we need to be ready to share the gospel of Christ. We need the good news of peace. Right? Verse 16. Above all, taking the shield of faith. And the shield was a, a huge, a, a whole body length of a, of a shield. Uh, take your shield of faith, which you, which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. How many people know that? The enemy is always shooting darts at us. He's always trying to, to, to shoot us down, right, with his lies. And there's verse 17. And take the helmet of salvation, right? And this is to guard our mind. This is to protect our mind. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And right there, this is the only offensive weapon we have. This is our Bible. The sword, we call it, right? The Word of God. You know, when you look at the Bible, when you look at Jesus, when he got tempted in the wilderness, Right after he got baptized, right after the Lord said, this is my beloved son whom I'm well pleased. Right? The Holy Spirit came upon him. Right? right away he was tempted. Right away he went, out, right away he went tempted for 40 days. And who comes but Satan? And Satan three times tempts him. Spiritual, physical, and emotional. And three times, what did he say? It is written. It is written. It is written. 
And this is what we need to do when we come, when we're getting tested and tried. We need to come before, before the Lord and, and, and quote scriptures. It's one of the things I love about my wife, which she always encourages me when I'm going through trials. She tells us, just read scripture. Read scripture. Be reminded of the promises of God. This is one thing that I really want to encourage our church, especially as we're going through all this stuff and we see what's going on in this world. <laughs> read the last verses of the, of the Bible. We win. Right? Jesus wins. We're on the winning side. Read scripture. The word of God will always, def- always, always, the devil's going to go back. Now here in verse 18 is what we're looking at here in, 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 in Exodus. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to the end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So we have this armor. And, he's, and here we need to trust in God's strength. But we need to have our strength in the Bible, in our prayers, we say, right? Because if you look here, if you go back to Exodus, so it's a good reminder just to look at that account in, Exodus, in, in Ephesians. So this is Israel's first warfare. God fought against Egypt, and they, and they had now have to rely on God. And they fought uh, a battle here, right? And this is the first mention, if you go back to Exodus chapter 17, this is the first mention of Joshua in the Bible. And what Joshua, and I love the book of Joshua too. I love Joshua. In the Bible, his name meant salvation. But then later Moses changed it to Jehovah's salvation, which the Hebrew means Jesus. So whenever you read Joshua, he is the type of Jesus. He was born in Egypt, and Moses, uh, he must have saw leadership qualities in him, right? So, so he, he made him a general of this army. Now, if you think about it, if you look at verse 17, he only had one day to prepare because he tells them tomorrow. So Joshua had one day to prepare for battle, and he was so obedient that he did it, right? Here Joshua, on that verse 9, Joshua fights, and Moses will, will pray and intercede with the rod of God in his hand. You know, because if you look at that verse again where it says there on verse 9, at the end of it, tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand, but then if you look at verse 5, you remember he says, take your rod, right? Verse 5 says, take your rod, and here he says, take the rod of God, right? And if you look at this, it's, it's, it shows you how God wants us to be an instrument. It's his divine power, but God expects us to be part uh, uh, when we have the rod of God, when we're able to have battles. He wants to use us, right? But it's his power, it's his rod, but he's given us a privilege to be able to, to be used that way. And in verse 10, chapter 17, verse 10 says, So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Hill Israel's victory involves three things. It's the power of God, always the power of God, which is in heaven. The skill of Joshua and his army. And also prayer, prayer and intercession. Right? Right? God could have used angels but he still wants to use us as, as an instrument to accomplish his purpose. Here they're going to learn to trust God in the battle. You know, that's what I like about one of the things that was going on in our church is that now more and more prayer groups are coming up. We got the Saturday morning men's prayer group, which is awesome. We got the, uh, the one we do at our home every other week, and then we got one here on Sunday mornings. We need to be a church in prayer. You know, we're going to read right now in a minute about what's going, how this, uh, the battle, the battle's the Lord's. But we need to ask ourselves, you know, are we really praying to God? Are we really praying for guidance? Are we praying for strength? Right? 
Because when he says here, if you notice in verse 17, and it was when Moses held up his hands that Israel prevailed, and when he let down his hands, Amalek prevailed. So the fourth thing I see is that we need to be dependent on God. We totally need to be dependent on God. Second Corinthians uh, chapter 3, verse 5 says, not, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. Here it's customary for the Jews to lift up their hands when they prayed, right? And for them it showed a sign of total surrender, total dependency on God, right? And so you can imagine, right? He has this, the, rod of, the rod of God in his hands, and he's just showing. And every time he has his hands up, Israel won the battle, if you can see in that passage. That's how just shows you how important prayer is, right? This shows the importance of one man's prayer, right? James chapter 5, verse 16 says the the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So here he's praying. He has his hands up. And you look at verse 12, but when Moses' hands became heavy, right? So every time his hands went down, the battle would probably go like this, right? It's probably going back and forth. And he goes out there winning. And do you think Joshua's looking, oh, I hope his hands are up, right? No, Joshua's out there doing his thing. He's out there battling. He's trusting that someone is praying for him in the background. He's totally trusting that someone's praying for him. You know, and so it's so this is so important here because when you look at verse 12, he says, But Moses' hands became heavy, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. You might look at this and say, Well, Moses is over 80 years old, but when you look at the, when he died at 100 and I think it was 70 something years old, it says he died in his strength. God gave this man some supernatural some strength, all right? So it wasn't like he was feeble, he, it's tiring. I don't know about you, but when you sit, when you pray, Pray for an hour. Pray for an hour. You know? You know, I never forgot. Uh, I mentioned this quite a bit. Uh, I want to uh, pastor Raul Reese's teachings. He says, you want to know what your prayer life is? Get a piece of paper, and on every hour, write down what you're doing. So, right, in every hour, you put down what you do and see how much time you dedicate yourself to prayer. Man, I did that one. I did that one time just for 12 hours. Man, I was like, oh, shoot, I, don't, I do not pray that much at all. That's a very good try. It. You'll see how much you really pray, and you'll see it. Uh, mine was, I should have added prayer to that. It's so important to prayers. Because when verse 12, it says there, right, that and Aaron and her support his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until they're going down. It is so important that we intercede battles in prayer. It's not easy work. But yet, look at how important this is. Here's Joshua. There's no way he could succeed without Moses. But Moses could not have succeeded without his two brothers. Two brothers supporting his hands. One of the things that's a blessing, you know, able to, I haven't been able to go because of my hours lately, because of men's study, is you see these men, please, men, go Tuesday nights. Earlier, Brother Gary was mentioning that in his announcement, but he means that, and so we, in the bottom of our hearts, go to the men's study. Because, brothers, when, we're, when we are in battle, but guess what? Because we are spiritual leaders of our home. And he's gonna he's gonna go after our marriages, and I'm sure you guys know this. If those are walking with the Lord, he goes to our marriages, and we need to be able to wash our wives with the Word. We need to direct our children, our grandbabies, to the Lord. So when you go to these any study, that's just a man's that women study as well. When you have the ladies come up on Wednesday night, ladies go out Wednesday nights, right? And you just exhausted, and you're tired like Moses is. You have brothers and sisters in the Lord who are gonna. Be right beside you, 
and praying with you. You know what? There's nothing more beautiful, nothing more powerful than having your brother and sister pray with you. Giving them, giving them just what's going on in your life. Not because they're going to give you something special from their heart, but because they're going to point to the Bible. But that's what we do. We point to the Bible and say, but God. But God. I went too far. But God. All right? he's, going to, he's going to make things right. He's going to change us. When we have issues at home, when we have issues at work, when our children and stuff like that, we need to be able to come to our brothers and sisters and say, hey, I need prayers. And it is so powerful. It's so powerful. And, and it's, it's, I can't say enough of it. And now we, our church is moving, like I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, more into being more dedicated to prayer. You know, I've been in, uh, I've been in the ministry since day one, since I became a Christian. Most of you guys know I, I, I was a late bloomer, right? I didn't become a Christian until later on. I've only been a Christian for 10 years. You know, I was 40-something years old. Don't, don't add it up. I was 40-something <laughs> years old. And then I lived a worldly life. And by the grace of God, he wouldn't let me go. I received the Lord. And I didn't know that then, but I knew it. And I know it now. I was baptized with the Holy Spirit. And, and I just gave my life to him. And, and I say this to, be, to remind you because it was through prayers. It was through my wife and the people praying that I would be saved. I have a, a mother who prayed for me while I was in the streets. So prayer matters. And for us to pray, it's awesome when we just come together as a church. We are now doing more prayer ministry, like I mentioned a little while ago. We went to this, uh, uh, in Tra- I live in Tracy. We went to this other church. I had this uh, a function, and we prayed for the city of Tracy, and we prayed for the police officers. Man, pray for our police officers. Man, it's, it's wild out there, right? So we prayed for them. It was so awesome. I don't know, maybe 50, 60 people, I'm, I'm guessing, showed up, and all we did was worship and pray for the city. And we went over, around the block, and we prayed for the police officers. Some of them came out, and it was so powerful. It didn't matter if what church you went to, what denomination you went to. That stuff doesn't matter, right? We are one body, one Christ, and we just all came together. And, and one of the things that I've been praying for, and I prayed to God, that's the beginning, is revival. Our prayers that we could do that here also in Manteca. We do that in Lake. We could do that in Modesto, Lodi, all these places that we come from. And we, we need to be that church. We need the one to step up and start praying because prayer does change things. Uh, I'm a result of it. You're most likely a result of it, how cha- God changes. And we need to get on our knees and pray for our country. Pray for our cities. Pray for our marriages. Pray for our families. And, it, and it's awesome. There was none of this denomination, none of that stuff. It's Jesus. It's Jesus changes things. James, and this is what, when I read this verse here in Exodus, it's awesome when you, uh, the brothers come alongside you and start praying. First uh, Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. ceasing right? Uh, Colossians 4.2 says, continue earnestly in praying, being vigilant in it, with thanksgiving. Man, I've been, like I mentioned, I was mentioning a little while ago, before I started thinking about people that were praying. I, I served the Lord since day one. I had a guy that discipled me, and I've been involved in home studies, uh, men's studies, youth, children ministry, and it's been a blessing, right? It's totally been a blessing. But the most satisfying, the, more, the most toughest one is this prayer ministry. All right? It's 
you see things change when you're in part of the praying team, but you could also see how hard it really is. This is hard. Sometimes when you have a long day, and it's because I need to tap in more to the Holy Spirit. I need to be tapped into more. And, and, and that's why we call our, the ministry here prayer and praise, because we need to see the praise. We need to see that God answers prayers, and he does. So I encourage this church to continue to pray. Just pray, 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 and you see what God does. So uh, verse 13. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people at the edge of the sword. Why? Because of the prayer, Amalek was defeated. Romans 8, 38, verse 37 says, Yet in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are more than conquerors. What that mean? When you look at that up in the original language, it's the battle is won before you even go in the, in the battle, in the ring. It's already a done deal, right? This is, this is awesome. This shows us a great example of the importance of prayer through, and victory through prayer. Verse 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua, and I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Malak from under heaven. So here Moses writes into the official book of record that Israel should contend with Amalek until they are completely destroyed, right? And here in King David, he does do that. He destroyed the nation of Amalek during his reign. You don't hear about Amalek anymore, right? Uh, but you got to remember, we will always, we will be fighting the flesh until the Lord takes us home. Verse 15 and 16, it says, And Moses built an altar and called its name, The Lord is my banner. For he said, because the Lord has sworn the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. The fifth thing that I see is that during our battles, during our prayer, during everything we do, we need to give God the glory. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, 21 says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Here Moses built a memorial, not for himself, but he wanted to give God the glory. He wanted to give, you know, the, the, the victory they had over the Amalekites. So he gets this, his, his, uh, this banner. It's a flag. It's a flag. And he wants everybody to know, you know what? It wasn't me. It wasn't Joshua. It wasn't that rod. It was God. It was God who gives, we need to give him the victory. And like I said earlier, Amalek is the type of the flesh. And we always need to walk in the, Galatians chapter 5, it tells about walking in the spirit. Right, because we're going to be always battling the flesh, always constantly battling the flesh. Right, so the, the word here in it's Yahweh Nisi, the Lord is my banner, you know, and it describes a banner like I mentioned a little while ago. You know, I see these cars. You know, I, I mentioned them many times. I love sports, but I see these cars where they have like the little warrior flags, Golden State. I like the Warriors, Golden State Warriors, and they're on victory, the championship team. You know, you can even see on the football teams. You know, the Giants who are winning baseball teams. And they're excited. They're, they're going through these victories. And you could even see it in our military. And they're rep, why, why they put these flags? Because they're proud of this team that's winning, right? But guess what? The Warriors lost. I love the Warriors. I'm a Warrior fan, right? The Warriors lost. You know, that same enthusiastic about our sports teams and those other things we got, Jesus don't lose. He doesn't lose. Why wouldn't we be having that flag? Why wouldn't we want to show the victory that he's had in our lives, right? He's the Yahweh Nisi. He, he, he's our victory. You know, we need to be reminded. We need to give God the glory, all the glory of what he's done in our life, right? Jesus is our banner. 
right? You look at Moses and you look at Joshua and they're battling. Moses represents the leader. Jesus is our leader. Joshua down there, he, Jesus is doing our battles. Moses, her, and Aaron, they're out to pray. Jesus is on the right hand of the Father interceding for you and I. Jesus is our banner. He's our victory. And we need to remember that. So when, we, when we're going through our lives, we need to be reminded, well, you know what, now, my marriage, it's because of Jesus. Jesus is holding up my marriage. Put that flag up. Jesus, he's the one, he's, he's the one uh, guiding our children, or the ministry. He's the one that's going to dominate over our flesh. Because we're going to be struggling with this body forever until the Jesus comes, right? And I hope that's soon. But this body's tired, right? <laughs> it's just, I'm tired. But by the, by, by the grace of God, by the strength of God, I want to continue in his strength. And you too. Why? Because we have Jesus as our victory. He's our leader. He, we need to proclaim God is our banner. Jesus is our victory. There's so much victory in our lives. There really is so much victory in our lives. We cannot be like the, like the Israelites are just looking at all the, the, the wrongs going on. We can look at the world, but you know what? Jesus wins at the end. Jesus is going to take us home. Jesus is going to come back down and reign. And then we're going to be with him by his side, those, those of us who know the Lord. You know and I know that God changes everything. You and I are here because God, uh, God has changed our hearts and someone prayed. So I want to encourage everyone here. There is victory in our lives. Trust God. Continue just to go forward and, and go through this journey called life. And guess what? At the end, he said, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this, this example. As your word says, the Old Testament is for our example of how we have victory in you. And Father, we just pray, Lord, that you continue, Lord, to just guide us and lead us and direct us. We need you. We don't want to do it on our own strength, but we want to do it on, your, on the strength from above. Father, we pray, Lord, that we're able to continue to be reminded as we grow in our walk, as we grow in our prayer life, as we continue to walk this life, to be reminded that you are our victory. You are. You go before us. You said you will never leave us nor forsake us. The battle is the Lord's. So, Father, we pray, Lord, that there's anyone here that's who's discouraged. Lord, we pray your Holy Spirit come upon them and remind them, Father, that you love them and that you see them and you want to take away any burdens. So, Father, we pray for those here that are just at the end and their arms could feel so heavy. We're thankful, Lord, that you tell us just to look up and you answer prayers. Thank you, Lord, that you're a God who just will not leave us the way we are. Lord, we pray that you bless our, our day, our week, our families and friends. We give you all glory in what you're going to do this week. We praise in Jesus' name. Amen.